Welcome to the Film Yarns podcast. Uh, this week we saw The Manchurian Candidate, which is a 2004 American neo-noir psychological political thriller directed by Jonathan Demme. <laughs> film was based on Richard Condon's 1959 novel of the same name, reworking of the previous and a reworking of the previous 1962 film. Stars Denzel Washington as Bennett Marco, a tenacious virtuous soldier, Liev Schreiber as Raymond Shaw, a US representative from New York, manipulated in becoming a vice presidential candidate, and John Voigt as US Senator Tom Jordan, a challenger for vice president, and Meryl Streep as Eleanor Prentice Shaw, also a US senator, and the mani- manipulative, ruthless mother of Raymond Shaw. Um <laughs> the first thing I was going to say is like obviously the flip from the book because if you go like the the novel sorry is 1959 political thriller about the son of a prominent US political family who was brainwashed into being an unwitting assassin for a communist conspiracy. <laughs> I just love the like extreme so difference. The... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's um, just like it's very of the it's time. Indicative yeah, of the, the 50s. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Communist um, hysteria. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there was a real um, antithesis to it, right? Like you have like um, liberal democracy versus uh, like Soviet uh, uh, communism. Yeah. And for some reason, communism lost out. I guess because it's like Stalin, Stalin's bureaucracy, like market Stalinism really destroyed it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I mean, but yeah, it's interesting to see what the like um, imagined enemy of America is, given the different time periods. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great point. And I guess, I mean, you'll probably take the lead a bit more today because I'm just like I always find myself a little bit short of things to say on these sorts of like American topics. I'm just not educated enough, I guess, <laughs> on the kind of whole like communist liberal capitalist divide kind of thing um but we'll see how we go and i guess it's to be decided if we watch the original and contrast that next week we'll figure that out but this week Mm. we're mainly just focusing on the 2004 version uh with denzel i guess Mm. and um, i think you're pretty i I don't think i'm not going to rehash the plot other than that it's basically like What's the plot in a sense? Oh, I think it's worth um, elucidating. Maybe it. I should take the reins on this one. Okay, you you go for, from. I've got it on the screen, but you go for like. Just give us your remembered synopsis. Okay, all right. So, uh, you know, Operation Desert Shield is occurring. So that's sort of the preamble to the Gulf War until like, Operation Desert Storm, um, and uh, a unit of soldiers are caught in battle, um, and that's. Uh, what is supposedly the truth, but um, slowly as uh, the film continues to unravel, we find out that like various soldiers, both um, high-ranking and the um, just infantry, are starting to have these dreams of uh, what might have really happened in that skirmish in Op- Operation Desert Shield. Uh, and so, through sort of like a paranoid, subjective position through the film, we start to find out that. Uh, what actually happened is that these soldiers were taken from the battlefield uh, in what seemed to be like almost like a Hollywood f- film set attack uh, and like uh, put in a training camp where there were all sorts of neurological procedures were done on them to essentially brainwash them. Um, 
whether or not that was like creating super soldiers or whatnot, it turned out that it could also be positioned to become like uh, presidential candidates. Um, yeah, pretty much. And in, in there, you kind of see the web of uh, influence between um, particular like powerful senators, particular corporations, um, international corporations, and uh, also the moving around of, uh, uh, I guess, um, you know, scientists from the, the apartheid South Africa who are uh, rogue geneticists. Yeah. And that also gets tied in together. Yeah, I like the kind of extreme chess play that the the movie is able to illustrate how the like kind of the inner workings of how a you know a real life Manchurian candidate could be brought about by a powerful company like you know a a big pharma company or I guess Manchurian is like an one of those everything companies kind of like I don't know um Yeah, I think uh, they sort of talk about it as like um Sort of like, have you ever looked at the back of like a linked can and it just says like Unilever and it turns out Unilever like owns like 50% of all products in the world. Yeah, and they're it's so good of sorts of not having that known like Nestle and and yeah, mm. Coke and stuff like that. Yeah, and and because we relate those sorts of things to deodorants and chocolates and stuff, we don't also relate them to, I don't know, the sale of military hardware or something. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of time like if the company has that connection, you know, they might have byproducts from other things they make and they're like, oh, how are we going to, you know, we can obviously increase profits by not wasting these byproducts. So, oh, it just so happens that we have like all of this lead or all of this aluminium as a byproduct of whatever else we make. So, we might as well sell that to whoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I guess the sort of like um, a historical precedent here for the, the shuffling around of, um, uh, I don't know what you would call the scientists, sort of like refugee scientists, but also a bit like... Um, I don't know, uh, illegitimate scientists, I guess, because you sort of have that in, like, uh, what is it? Is a Project Paperclip where lots of, like, the Nazi scientists came over to America to work on rockets? I have and no that's idea. How, apparently, I'm not, I, yeah, I'm no aficionado on this, but apparently a lot of the, um, a lot of scientists in, like, aeronautics and that uh, were um, brought over to America to work on rockets here because apparently German engineering at that period of time was, like, uh, upper echelon. For, yeah, sounds um, about right. Yeah, and so you sort of see like um, uh, a forgiveness um, or a pardoning of their like crimes, I guess, um, in order for like uh, something like the economic um, cultural win over Soviet Russia. Yeah. For America. Yeah. Mm. And the same thing is happening here with um, uh, post-apartheid geneticists. But it's something much more, like, uh, sinister. Yeah, it, I mean, even though it's like a sci-fi, there are a lot of realistic elements to, like, you know, it immediately, you think of, like, MK Ultra and stuff like that when they have the mm. um, the brainwashing. And, um, I mean, it kind of reminded me of um, of 12 Monkeys as well, I guess. Cause, like, I, maybe they even kind of tried to copy that a bit, like, when he's... There's all uh, he's like in the chair, and um, there's all the scientists, and it's kind of like a bit psychedelic. Um, mm. And then, um, I mean, I guess it's like it just shows that kind of like ideological grooming process that can be done to people. Like, so you know, sure is the chosen one. So just like, all right, well, this is what's going to happen. How are we going to do it? Okay, we're mm. just going to basically 
brainwash these soldiers like and then you know and it, they, they portrayed that kind of well they made it seem like something that is actually possible without Certainly, any crazy like, future think, tech apart from the implants i guess well i think it's not you know such a such a far-fetched idea for um you know particular senators to uh, work with uh, you know, multinational corporations to institute this sort of stuff. Like, um, I mean, maybe in the early 2000s this was a bit revolutionary, but nowadays the idea of like mega mega corporations working with senators and with uh, politicians yeah. is just the norm, it's, really. And like, it's well that's known. what lobbying is, really. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Amazon exactly. and, and it's, is one of the boys, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, or it'll go the other way around, right? Like, so when a politician leaves office, often there's like a you know an opening in some corporation somewhere for them. They never have to like leave yeah. that sort of. They just go into the private sector, you know. It's it's kind of you have to like read a little bit about it to see how it happens. But like for example, um, it's it's pretty well illustrated in like that that um surveillance uh that surveillance valley book that i was i think i was talking about last week um because hmm. he he like follows certain kind of like these like career um not so much politicians it's just like a career person that kind of jumps around between say the nsa and politics hmm. and kind of back and forth between there and tech and they're just like because they're connected it shows how these people can kind of just like you know, once upon a time, like they worked for like some sort of NGO and then, and they're like, you know, had all these contacts around the world in like Iraq and stuff like that. And then like, they'll jump over to like the, um, you know, they'll be like working in the white house next minute. And, and then they just, and the way that they're connected, they're able to transition between these like really high profile jobs that would seem like they're in completely mm. different sectors. And then it shows how related it is. Same as, um, Julian yeah. Assange's book. Um, he follows like, like Eric Schmidt, the Google dude and like it, it just like shows the actual like personal relationships between the people like really high up at Google and the people high up in the US government and it's just like mm. it's not a oh, conspiracy yeah, way it's just like they're mates so they're gonna you know they're yeah. gonna like look out for each other yeah yeah that's not even a conspiracy that's just how it is like <laughs> yeah like, um, I just I guess it's just like it kind of it reeks of a conspiracy when you talk about these things you're just like oh what well, like the government it, I don't know. It's just like so um, firmly placed that like the government is the government and and um, business is business, and they're not related, but they are. <laughs> uh, well, I would say like um, you know, ever since like the advent of like neoliberal politics, government is business more than anything. You know, like it just sells off all the parts of government to private enterprise, um, and then, you know, private enterprise gets to the point where it is essentially the government and, and the two are in, in, interchangeable, really. Like, you know, like um, people from the CIA have entered into, like, have become the president before. There's tons of stuff yeah. like that. Like, mm. But, like, yeah. It's, and the film does well yeah. to highlight these sorts of things, kind of like the, the yeah. cronyism and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's also interesting. There's a couple of interesting things in the film, like... Um, one of the things that seemed particularly interesting was the treatment of soldiers. Like, everyone was just like, the military didn't want anything to do with, and I'm sure the military doesn't really want anything to do with the Gulf War because it was, kind of, it was a fucked up situation. Was but, that the, um, just like the oil war? I'm really uneducated on the whole 90s, like US imperialism kind of era. Yeah, that was that was that was the oil that was an oil war. So that's what like um, um, Jarhead, that Jarhead follows that war, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that's the war after this. So this that could be the a good one watch that is in next this film. Week. Yeah, yeah. The war that's in this film is sort of like the reconnaissance aspect of Desert Storm because this is like Desert Shield. Yeah. Um, Did they have to drum up the public for this one? Um, Like, was it similar to after? Because I only kind of followed this since 9-11, I guess, just because of our age and stuff. Like, And I never really have, like, read Mm. up on the history of the 90s too much. Um, Mm. Was it similar in, you know, like 2001, how they kind of, like, really drummed up the public support to go back to Iraq kind of thing? Um, I think this was sort of a funny one because it was heavily, like, heavily heavily mediatized but, like, in a weird way, like, um, so I guess with Vietnam, it was, like, the first televised war, and that was sort of done in a documentary style, yeah. whereas this one was, like, done in sort of a, like, a newsroom style almost. So, like, the, you <laughs> know, guess, like, yeah, they had the technology. Have, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, so it would show, um, you know, airstrikes and, like, interviews with uh, commanding officers and stuff, but it would be, like, that sort of, like, here's this image from far away and here's this person being interviewed. Like it wasn't, it was a very clean sort of way of doing things. It's like when, and, have you seen, it's, yeah. it reminds me of um when they got Osama, I think it was Osama and it was like live streamed, I think. I think it was when um Barack was president because there's like mm, yeah. footage of them watching it, like from yeah. the TV's perspective and they're like, yes, like <laughs> it's really fucked mm, up. <laughs> yeah, it is fucked up. I mean, that's the sort of the same thing because I remember... And then, you know, like, I was, I was watching something somewhere and I was talking about how uh, there's that scene where there's the people in the town pulling down the Osama bin Laden statue, uh, not Osama bin Laden statue, the um, Saddam Hussein statue. I don't know if you've seen that. You know, they've got the rope on the statue and they're pulling it down and it falls off. And no, not in the film. Just, oh. like, this is just a case of, like, media mediatization. Oh, I, I haven't seen it. And, like, it's essentially like, the whole street is filled with people and they're like, hell yeah, but apparently, like, if you just zoom out a little bit, it's just a small group of people. Oh, okay, yeah. So there is, there are techniques and ways in which like these these wars and subsequent like uh, winnings of wars, maybe you might call them. I don't know. I, I couldn't say that's a win. Um, have been positioned, yeah. and this is the same, you know, um, because it, I, I don't know if it was just really bad special effects, but the initial um, assault on um, Denzel and his troop, the it all looks like it's. It's done in a Hollywood. Yeah, but um, I think it's it's made to look that way to emphasize the fact that it's a fake memory, like mm. so, like because like the whole part where he's like on the turret gun, shooting down the mm. helicopters. Like I think because that like that's the thing, you know he's making the speech at this at the, like the primary school at the beginning, and mm. it's kind of he's like, I think Denzel acts it pretty well, but he almost acts it too well in that he gave away the plot. Because he, when he transitions his speech to like, there's the real part of the story up until he gets knocked out, I think, and then mm-hmm. he, he, you hear like he recites like, and then you know what they've been like had programmed in. He's like, and then Agent Shaw, I mean, um, Corporal yeah. Shaw or whatever his um, ranking was, um, you single handedly took down the choppers, and and it's like, and then he like recites it perfectly as if he was like brainwashed to do so and then as soon as i saw that i was mm. like i know the whole plot of the film pretty much <laughs> i was like damn it and i hadn't seen yeah, it before yeah. but it was still you know it didn't ruin oh, yeah. the watch Not oh like no i think the film itself is a bit paint by numbers but i think a lot of the stuff that goes in on uh, goes goes going on in the film is quite interesting like i think the film itself is kind of boring or like but i, th- I think they did too much but there's a lot of like f- interesting little aspects to it for instance um 
every time there's like a TV or the news on a radio, it's constantly like newsroom war stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, every time, doesn't matter if it's in a cab or at home or at like you know on the train or something. It's constantly like some talkback radio or like political commentator just talking about the next war or like <laughs> you know are we going to be attacked? Are we going to be okay? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, no. It's, sorry, only a couple, on. it's only a couple of years after 9-11 as well. So, this is probably like pretty true to form. Yeah. Um, I think like it just says it's based in the near future. Um, but it, like in the plot um, description on Wikipedia, it's pretty funny how it kind of is. Um, where is it? He They mention how... Sorry, just let me find the right sentence. Um Mm. It's just how, like, they say it's near future, and it's and then it's like, um, okay, here we go. Yeah, so years later, in a dystopian near future America defined by xenophobia, heightened racial tensions, de facto martial law, environmental degra- degradation, and increasing corporate control. It's kind of just like these are just the standard things. It's like we're kind of almost accepted. Like, yeah, these are definitely going to get worse in the near hmm. future and this was 2004 and it, that's just, exactly what happened just wrote america yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's sad man because it's, like, it's intens- intensified it's right? like so many people since the 60s have been saying like you know like sci-fi writers of the 60s were saying like these five or six things are almost certain to occur and here we are like hmm. 60 years later and i mean at least it's not you know as dystopian as many predictions from back then but yeah, that's true. It's I mean, not like the things have really wound back. I guess there's a you know a few reasons for that, being that like America kind of holds a powerful grip on a lot of the rest of the world. So there's a lot of stuff that they can sort of exert pressure and force to make other countries do or act in certain ways. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. Also, yeah. like they're like because no, sorry, from, no, 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 sorry, my bad. I was just gonna jump in and say it's like. You see that more and more with America. I was writing... I, I remember I wrote a note about this after watching the film because it's kind of like the spoiled child, like, finally kind of not getting what it wants. And I, this is such a harsh mm. way to frame it, but it's like... Because it, it's so used to winning and now it's, like, kind of in death throes a little bit, like, as, you know, mm. th- like, the situation dwindles. Even if, like your life hadn't changed that much if you were, like, kind of upper-class America. You, there's still the knowledge that you're living in a country where, like, there is increasing poverty and all the kind of dystopian elements. It's kind of like even that would lower your quality of life even if, like, on a physical level there were no reductions and you still had plenty of money to, you know, obtain what whatever you need to sustain yourself. Do you know what I mean? It's That's kind true. of just, I mean, like, like, spoils the fun of, like, oh, I'm living in this country because if, if it's shit for everyone else, even if it's good for you, like... That's not yeah, that good. That's a nice way of thinking about it, but I think ever since like um, <laughs> supply side economics became like a real powerful thing, um, and like sort of like a middle class uh, resentment was um, stirred, that those things like the the upper class, I guess, uh, the the wealthy, um, they I think they do enjoy. Like people, because they just essentially they just told the middle class that like actually you should be angry at us, you should be angry at people below you. They're, they're the reason like that you're having a bad time, and and so like 
they've sort of been stated like a, a, a punching down issue, like uh, where they can still enjoy getting all the all the all the profits from like for some reason people still believe trickle down economics works. I have no idea why. Um, and people are just angry at poor people or something. You know, in America, they're like, ah, oh, you know, it's your fault that you don't have this and your fault that you don't have that. And so, bro, like, you're living off, like, just barely above the poverty line. Like, surely you guys could just work together. Yeah. But the rich isn't uh, one like, person. Yeah. That's all I would say is that, like, there might be some people no, who are fine yeah. living in that situation, but there would be a lot who are just, like, you know, like, they're not at the point of guilt where they just give away all of their wealth, but they're still just kind of like, this isn't fun being wealthy if everyone else is poor. Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, it's hard to say. I'm sure there are lots of. I'm sure there is people who feel that way, but I'm sure there's lots of people who are like, I love being rich when everyone is poor. Well, there's probably lots who who. <laughs> it's it's neither of those two, but it's more like, oh, I, I still give this large percentage of my money to charity, so like. I I clean my hands kind of thing and and then and then hmm. they kind of can easily like convince themselves that it's all good like it's like I mean these people are suffering yeah. but like it's not my direct fault so I'll just, yeah I'll yeah just exactly like I think I think you're I think you've made a really interesting point there about charity which is um and this is a bit of a cruel point but I think it's true is you can that sanitize like, your enjoyment you can't you can't um. You can't fix the problems of capitalism by donating to capitalism, you know. Like, um, uh, if you give, you know, like um, if you pay money for like an impoverished country, uh, and you're like you're donating to charity to like say um, I don't know families in Bangladesh, but the same like economic system that you're donating to is the one that produces like sweatshops and stuff in Bangladesh that you're giving money to. Really, you're just propagating the system, but in a nice way. Yeah, it makes you feel better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I wouldn't begrudge anyone for donating, but I think that inherently it just continues to stimulate this terrible situation. Mm. No. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, there you go. Next time you get, like, a Christmas present that's, like, a charity from a family member, you just tell them that. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you feel good? Um, like, fuck you. No. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I guess the next thing we should talk about, and I think you, yeah, you were right in saying this as well, is that like mega corporations, you know, uh, uh, international corporations, whatever you want to call them, multinational corporations, their um, reach and influence is huge now, um, so much more than this film sort of makes it out to be. I guess and so yeah. with so much less in terms of like it, there's no invasive, you know, neuro, neuro neurological procedures. Yeah, uh, it's it was. Like I guess money, it was still really. 2004, and they couldn't predict. I mean, they couldn't quite. I mean, it's you know, it's so hard to predict like the kind of ways that that corporate control can occur. I guess because it's so hard to predict like technological growth and and what will actually like you can kind of predict that you know we'll have smaller computers and and bigger screens and stuff like that, but. Um, I guess it's it's harder, you know. No one really predicted like Facebook or mm. or Google, you know. Like no one, like maybe like the founders of Google had a big vision around two thousand, but like it, you know, people writing scripts for films and stuff would have been certainly hard to predict. Like the search engine company as being the one that like probably had the most power on a kind of mm. governmental level and surveillance level. 
Yeah, certainly. What was the name of this company again? Like Globo or something? Uh, Man- Manchurian really? Global. Oh, Manchurian yeah, Global. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Like that says it all. Like <laughs> you know, you put those two words together, that just says evil plus more evil. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's... You know what I mean? Like, they always have like Skynet. Well, anything is also, with the word global that have been good. Skynet is also <laughs> great because it kind of like, you know, creates an image of like a net over you, like yeah, controlling Skynet you, is like, just the cloud in the bro. sky. Like, yeah. <laughs> like they like, should have called the cloud Skynet. Well, who knew That's that they would have like friendly names like Google and Apple? Um, you know, just like r- yeah, really, yeah. just like, um, just kind of plain, you know non um, yeah, uniform yeah don't rock the boat exactly like non-confrontational names like apple you know who, who could hate on an apple um although it's kind of like it has a biblical connection so oh, you could right, think yeah, of it that way yeah it's it got the that. bite out of it it's like hmm mm. <laughs> mm. yeah that's true that's, that's actually, a good that's point some, the fruit some, of knowledge yeah that's yeah. some fucking of good and evil right illuminati there, yeah. shit right there what are they trying to tell <laughs> you <laughs> yeah hey uh you know i guess it's uh, it was the, it was the we and made also, that decision anyway. And the Google logo is kind of like Google. like the Chrome logo is like exactly like the kind of spying eye thing, like the Dave from um, two thousand one Space Odyssey. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but again, like I think also the surveillance technologies. I think the way they get around them being so obtrusive and intrusive is that like it's nice to be looked after. It's nice to be watched. Someone's taking care of you. <laughs> well, yeah, and just obviously you know like I mean? the consumer like, convenience of like having, you know, like having Google um, remember all this shit for you, like passwords and stuff. And also like, mm. lo- you know, location services are very useful if you go all in like on your phone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean... Um, so, it's always a trade-off. Guess, yeah. It's kind of like, do I, you know, I can hand over like... I, I think about it often because it's like, it is always like a kind of internal argument where it's like, um, you know, I could be super, Mr. Super anti-surveillance and just like not have a smartphone. and But then you do forego a lot of like basic conveniences like phone banking, like with an app and just For like sure. various yeah. things that, sure, are, that sure. are very useful to have. But it's like at the same time, yeah, it's like I, you could go all in and just be the guy that gives it all away and like who cares? And it's just like it, I'm just one person. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, I'll I'll die. Like, I don't, you know, in a way, I just don't care at all if they have all of my data. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's probably I probably would be somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. Like, Me I too. think it's I think sh- people should be aware of the fact that like. Um, if you don't have to pay for something, chances are like you are the product or whatever. You know, if you're not buying something, you're selling yourself. Yeah. And I think um, I think the way that that's so like so optimized, I guess, in terms of like stuff like Google and Facebook, is that like that's how we communicate on the internet. We're consumers of each other. You know what I mean? So like, there's no other way but buying and selling. So mm. you know, right. Um, unless, of course, like is hate also is a big thing. But I guess you can hate buy lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, like we're we're creating a product right now just by mm. you know. Disc- I mean, the technology enables us to do so because we're on opposite sides of the world. But and mm, but you know, there is that. that argument. Our, Sorry. Yeah, I would argue that our um, our form of production is uh, a humanistic one. 
in that like it doesn't follow the logic of capitalism because we're not selling it directly to anybody. We just do it for our, the love of the well, game. Yeah, it's like <laughs> we, we don't ever expect to make a cent from it. It's just kind of like, you know, we like no, to make yeah. some kind of cultural artifact rather than just play video games 24-7. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I do that as well. <laughs> yeah. In in fact, um, twenty four six. A shout out to Nick. Uh, I know you listen to the. I know you listen what, to Nikki the. Nikki uh, Yeah, Nikki G. I know you listen to the other uh, film. What is it? What's the uh, Michael Bay one? Uh, the Island. So oh. shout out to you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. You made me feel embarrassed at the club the other night. Adrian. Adrian also hits up the odd episode, but he may never hey, hear shout this. Shout outs. Fuck you, Shout 80. out to 80. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> we sort of go on. Oh, shit. I lost and you. We sort of back into is the... Um, the, the uh, can you, hello? Can yeah, you it's, all good, it's all good. Yeah. We really interrupted okay, cool. the space-time um, continuum getting so, all meta there in the pod. Oh. <laughs> Don't do it again. Uh, don't reference the outside world. <laughs> that's 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 a that's a pretty wild one. The um, post apartheid geneticist, right? Like, mm. that's the um scientist. Uh, yeah, yeah, Atticus something. I can't remember what his name was. What but, the South um, African guy? Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't, um, I don't remember. Yeah, that's 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 a fascinating aspect of the whole thing, which like because there's no shortage of stories coming out of like the um. Atticus Noyle. That's it. Yeah, that's an evil name. Um, there's no shortage of stories of like weird sort of experiments and like different like um, sort of trials of drugs uh, when it came to the apartheid and sort of leading up to post-apartheid. Right. Um, there was some scientist who was trialing some sort of drug that um, was supposed to be used for crowd dispersion or something. And it was sort of like I don't know what type of drug it was, but it was supposed to just like put people in a daze and just leave. So there were wasn't the um sound things the, going on there. the sound beam thing. El- Eldar, mm, it was yeah. was that Eldar? Those no, no, it was up, some man. some some dr- some like actual like um, chemical compound. Oh, okay. That apparently now people smoke. <laughs> of course um, we do. Yeah, hey, look, perhaps a lot of drugs were put out there for some form of control and now it's just used because it's out in the public. But, um, yeah, I think that's interesting, right? I think it's interesting to sort of have, like, this plot where you have the military is sort of controlled by a multinational corporation and this multinational corporation in, in like, engages scientists with, yeah, well, like, that, super sketchy backgrounds. That's what the film gets right, I think, is the control structure. So it goes, like, mm-hmm. you know, a few people at the top of the big corporation, then government officials, and then the soldiers, and then the citizens, I guess. Or the citizens and the soldiers mm. are kind of, like, equal, just they're in different environments. Even the citizens are probably above the soldiers. Like, the soldier yeah, in a way, I guess, yeah. is the most throwaway, like, part of the entire, that's like, true. American yeah, Imperial yeah, yeah. Project. Yeah, that's true. Because they do not give a shit about, like, uh, anything that um, Denzel Washington's character, uh, Marco, Marco Bennett. Yeah. Um, no, it's actually Bennett. It's, They're just his like, first name's up. Bennett. <laughs> oh, Bennett ben, Marco. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, which is interesting as well, right? Because like Marco Polo. So like, I know it's like, like he gets treated like shit. It's like he's like you know supposedly like a war hero, and then you know he's mm. going up. And he's like, oh, I guess we can let him in. Like, yeah, you know, he's got yeah, like, yeah, all his yeah. badges and shit. <laughs> 
tons, tons of shiny medals. They they love the shiny shiny medals in the military. Yeah. It's all about bling. Yeah. <laughs> I did feel bad um, for like people of his character today, kind of thing. Like, you know. Well, Gulf War sickness is a real thing. Like, as in PTSD um, or a different type of sickness. No illness. Like um, apparently there was um, what do they call them? Prophylactic. Yeah, for um, nerve agents or something that all the soldiers that were deployed had to have. Damn. And apparently it made them really sick, yeah. Like, uh, continuing on today. Yeah, apparently that, I think it was in World War Two or maybe Vietnam, they used to give them bromine water. You know, bromine, the chemical, mm. and it, it makes you yeah. um, sterile. I can't remember why, I th- really? why they were giving them that bromine, like <laughs> what the purpose of there, there was a reason that they had to give it all to the soldiers, and I think... Um, yeah, like made heaps of them sterile afterwards. Yeah, it happens, right? Like there was some form of um, uh, some form of armament as well that the tanks were using that apparently fucked people up as well. It was, had something to do with um, uranium, and uh, not maybe, maybe not uranium, but it had something in it that just fucked people up. Lead. But yeah, so apparently there was just all Possibly of these lead. problems that came from this. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Damn. But like you know, add, add that into the mix, and then you have like. Um, Sort of the 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 running up to um, the real oil wars, where like that was just a pure corporation war, really, mm. under like uh, George Bush and Dick Cheney, and that. I can, like, I can just like yeah, let's carve up all yeah, these different oil deposits. I can understand like the governmental motivation to secure oil, because especially like in the '90s, you would have just seen it as such an integral like resource to have like because it's like fuck it's just like it's you know it's so close to pure energy just because of the um the amount of energy you get out of oil compared to like anything else like solar or wind or, or whatever like it you can understand it's kind of like um like gold in the dark ages or whatever like or got like historically gold you know and pirates and like and how like the spanish inquisition and shit like that was just like crazy ass you know, like where they they almost go insane, like drug insane to get as mm. much of this thing as possible. And oil would have been perceived that way by like, you know, in government meetings where they're like, okay, we're planning the sustained power of the state. What things do we need? Um, well, we're definitely going to need a fuck ton of oil. Even if we are to advance from oil, we're going to need it to make those advancements to build the things that then we move on to, you know, like if it's, if it's like, you know, like solar um, infrastructure or, or whatever, like you still need a fuck ton of oil. Otherwise, like say you run out and like say that Iraq or whatever, wh- whoever has all the oil gets built up enough so that they're powerful enough to defend it, then you're sort of left with no way to catch up if you don't have that energy at hand. Well, I guess, you know, not you justifying it. I'm just rather um, than just like kill everybody. No, no, I'm not, I'm not justifying it, but I'm explaining the, <laughs> the motives like, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, because that's how they think in those, that's how they think when they plan this shit. They're just like, you know, th- that what makes it um, okay to them is like, okay, our primary objective is like the sustained um, survival of the country and, and its power and its citizens kind of thing. So, what do we need to do? And then, you know, what do we need to do to ensure that? And then consequences are the afterthought, but like primary objective is that sustained um, well-being of the of the, the country, kind of like this entity of the country that 
loosely includes the the population yeah yeah of course it'd be like a concern it's a, it's for like a pure the survival drive the state. yeah it, it would, and i guess also like uh would you have like um international oil corporations leaning on you they could certainly um challenge the legitimacy of your government and uh you know who knows what happens then maybe some even more like oil barony people start running things <laughs> it's hard to imagine any like uh more like sort of uh corporate government than I signed like Donald Trump, but that they were like uh more like MLMs. Yeah. Um but um yeah. No yeah. I think yeah. Yeah. One uh one thing I found funny in the film is like the when they when they have news footage in these sorts of films, like simulated news it's obviously it's usually not real like old news footage. They've you know they've made a set and created it. But it's so easy to make it look real, which kind of just is a joke at how much of a spectacle America is mm. in the real world. Because it's like these, like, you know, these, and it's like the movie is making, you know, this quick news report thing where they're talking about like such and such has happened. And it looks so real because the real news in the real world is such a joke. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's such I mean, a film set that that's why I just like laughed at that when like they had the news scenes and it's kind of you know just the American spectacle sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, and I mean the American media uh, is like crazy. Right? There, there's so much going on all the time. It's constantly just like talk back radio essentially, but on TV. So you just hear these people just shouting at each other all the time. To be honest, I actually prefer the kind of the level of. Oh, like lack of critical thought of American mainstream news compared to Australian mainstream news. Like occasionally <laughs> I'll watch like a seven news clip. Like, like watch, a current affair or something? No, 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 no. More just like a standard news clip, especially when it's like a, a special report, when it's like like the other day when the people um, invaded Congress or whatever. Mm. Obviously that's like a big deal and a bad thing and people died and stuff. But the way that seven news present it with like the tone of voice of and they're just like everything is fucked like this is <laughs> fucked like aliens have invaded congress and like i just cannot and they're like shaking the camera inside he's like oh it's fucking crazy in here like everything's going down like panic panic and i just like oh man it makes me cringe so much and i know that like yeah. so many kind of people the ages of our parents just hang on to every word and they're like they'll just take it at face value and like okay shit this is what they want me to think about today so i better do it that's what i don't like yeah yeah i mean it's true and i guess the other thing is that like um america has like we've invested so much of our time in america like and lives yeah, whatever yeah. like lots of culture and politics comes out from america out into the rest of the world um we kind of adopt America's enemies, and we kind of condone whatever it has to do. Um, it's like the and, news. I mean, the, the news presented like these idiots, you know, invading as like a real force, and it's just like it should just kind of just be like, yeah, these these morons. Like it's it's not you know it's just not presented naturally. It it should just be like, well, yeah, look at these idiots. Like, what are they doing? It's more like, oh my yeah. god, like a terrorist force of like crazed Trump supporters are taking over America, like, which it's not. It's, you know, it's not a, a huge group. It is a bad thing, but I just mean, like, I think they give them too much power by, like, over-acknowledging the, um, the danger. Mm, well, I mean, the, 
C certainly, um, the police, in terms of this, were totally on board with the um, apparently with the riders. Just selfies and shit. Yeah, yeah. They're, like there was absolutely no stopping. Like because you know, the police are essentially the part of that crew, <laughs> really. <laughs> so like uh, they could just kind of walk in, do what they want. Um, but I thought the more interesting. Well, it's a tricky one. Is, uh, Sorry, but is it, I guess it's a tricky one for the police because they had all that training, um, like post George Floyd and stuff, where they're like they're not supposed to be too like they're trying to get them to be less confrontational and stuff. You know what I mean? So like yeah, but like in the uh, Black Lives Matter protest, they were just like firing off rounds, shooting gas canisters, like beating the shit out of people, and these guys dressed up as fucking Vikings just walk up the stairs and like yo, what's up? And yeah, just walk yeah. in and like steal podiums and that. Yeah, yeah. So there's certainly like a huge difference in reception. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think the more interesting thing is like, what did they hope to achieve? Like, they got to the capital and then like nothing that's happened. Why, that's why. That's yeah. In, in there. That's why I'm saying it's so dumb. Like, because it's so it's so barbaric. It's like yeah, we're gonna march around. Like, not to not to diminish like the value of protest because that does accomplish things from time to time, but. It just seemed, I don't know, I haven't watched enough of it. It just seemed like a really unclear... It's like, we want something. Don't really know yeah, what it yeah. is, but... Uh, it's true. They, they, want Donald, they want Donald Trump. They don't want him to leave. Um, and Donald Trump was sort of had a sort of an interesting speech with that as well, where he was talking about, like, you know, you guys are special. I love you. You know, it was a real, a really strange sort of... He's become very... Um, Still. Very loving. I'm not going to flip sweet. and just, I'm not going to flip and be like, you know, I hate the people that just suddenly flip. Like now that like Biden's won, they're just like, oh yeah, the political system, it's the right way, you know, like, oh, no, you know what no, I mean? No, it's no, like, no, oh no. yeah, it's a fair process and like, like yeah, too bad you no. guys lost the fair process because that's not it either. <laughs> no, no way. Like I think um, it would be foolish to think that everything's sorted now. Yeah. And yeah. really like um, if, the voting is so close to be like 48, 53 or whatever it is. There's a real serious problem going on in the country anyways. If it's like almost half and half, that's that's an issue. <laughs> that's the perfect problem that they want, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> they want, they've been but striving I, for a 50-50 balance for years. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. A, yeah, well, it's a massive issue. But um, yeah, no, of course, like Joe Biden's just hopefully going to do what Barack Obama and people do before him, which is just like say nice things on the internet and just keep on creating, like, uh, wars in other countries. Yeah. And, like, trade sanctions and stuff. Uh, actually, they're striving for 50-50 and then they want 25-25-25-25 and then and they'll keep <laughs> dividing it, like, into perfect proportions. That's certainly the, like, Liberal Democratic Party's desire because, like, they love nothing more than, like, polling and, like, categorizing. Like, uh, that's sort of the thing about um, the Republicans and the right in general is they're quite, like, a conglomerate. Like, everyone's sort of part of this massive, like, right wing. Whereas on the left, um, or at least in the Liberal Democratic Party, um, everyone is just, like, you know, you're, you're a lawyer and you live here and you do this and your interest is this and this is how you vote, you know? Like, they, they're trying to, like, diagnose each person and try and figure out how do I appeal to you it's very individuated, you know what I mean? Like, whereas, like, the right wing just does populism and is just like, are you angry? So am I. We should do something. And uh, people get around that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's amazing that, like, I didn't think that Joe Biden would even win. Yeah, I wasn't too sure. That wasn't, wasn't something I was going to bet on. Because it's, like, I just don't understand how... It, like, if people 
you know, like the voting system relies on the fact that everyone like thinks of themselves as an individual, but sort of voting relies on the fact that you think of yourself as a group. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, no, if well, we, it's very we relevant. This... I mean, it's a political film, so it's not like mm. yeah, it's not. Uh, we can relate this to the film in like what is um, what's the sort of uh, obsession with assassination, you know. <laughs> What uh, what's uh, I was thinking about a little bit, and I wondered um, if you know, like the American president is this um, symbolic identity, right? Um, and once somebody reaches that, like the person becomes a symbolic identity, but like that, that's a problem because you can never be the thing that people think you are because that's just impossible, right? It's like God and Jesus. Like mm. Jesus is kind of like he stoops to the level of people. So he's not God, you know what I mean? Like those two can't be people; they can't be two things. They have to be separated. And it's the same thing, like. And so, when someone gets to the level of the symbolic symbolic identity, you you have to struggle with that. You're either like, yeah, I appreciate this. I see, I see some relationship here, or you kill the person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just like, oh, you can't you can't take up this position because like you're a person. I know that you can fail. <laughs> Whereas like the American president at large is, quote-unquote, the leader of the free world. Well, I guess, and also connected to that is, like, the um, the whole puppeteer system, I guess, because, you know, the the mother is really the puppet master and, um, although, like, you know, Shaw is the one with the appearance of power because he's the president-elect. Um, he's so feeble, though. He's always like, oh, mom. He played it fucking no. well, man. Like, it reminded yeah. me so much of so many of the other films, like he, the, especially the mother relationship. It's like Brazil, very similar to Brazil, mm. how the mother's like, oh, you need to do this. And he's like mm. really under the control. And um, I think the funniest thing for me was how, because um, <laughs> I watched the film about a week ago now and I rehashed the plot this morning um, just to like make sure I had it straight in my head. And... Mm. I had completely forgotten that it had a happy ending. I think my, you know, I think that like it sort of echoes the brainwashing of the film, but in an opposite way. Like my memory discarded the happy ending yeah. and only retained the darker elements of the film because this is what closely aligns with my outlook for reality. Like in the real world, I can't see, like, you know, I can't see it kind of going the way it did in the film. That's... As, as well, dark I, as that I have sounds. to say, if it really had a happy ending, right? Like um, the military uh, Photoshop, essentially um, over the actual assassin, right. and yeah. like everything just sort of goes away, like because it was actually a dead guy. Yeah. So I yeah. no, but I think that's sort of like a that's sort of like a struggling. I think like you've got to decide. Like, is that a happy? That's interesting that you said it was a happy ending, though. That, that reveals something. <laughs> no, no, no. But okay. Well, <laughs> even like presented as having like. Because it could have ended like more dark, but I think yeah, it also does try to imply that the Manchurian um, executives were going to be done for what they'd done. Because it says the Manchurian executive watch executives watch their entire conspiracy revealed on television, but make no attempt to flee, knowing that the truth's exposure has left them nowhere to run. Well, that's interesting. I like I, I like I like that. But I would argue that um, what is really good for the corporation is to be exposed because now people know and they can just keep doing their shit for just in plain sight. No, but I you think I mean? if it's saying that those guys are going to go to prison. I think that's what that's saying. 
Yeah, well, in the real world, I very much doubt that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think in the real world, you you know, you either pay for the really nice prison with like laptops and stuff, or you just keep on like doing your thing, just yeah. go to a different country. Yeah. No extradition. Yeah, it's like the, know, yeah, like, exactly. Like the the bankers. It's like in the, Oz. the financial crisis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Royal Commission. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, the two thousand and eight one in America certainly, and the Royal Commission exactly. in Australia. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that would probably be the way that it pans out more so. Um, but it is interesting that like the conspiracy, like it, they sort of made it into a, like a funny thing because like the Manchurian people were just sort of sitting around having a tea party watching this thing. They're like, okay, we're we're finally going to be able to be installed as um, having like a sleeper in the White House. But yeah. like, yeah, it was inter- well, It's interesting as well that like uh, Raymond. Was it Raymond Shaw? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he and his mom, they had to die together, right? Because they had, like, they didn't show it in the film, but there was, like, a sexual tension between those two, right? Oh, yeah. You know, she, they did show it, like, where she, like, kisses him on the lips um, towards the mm, end. Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't show him having sex. No, no. <laughs> but there was sort of, like, a quite an incestuous relationship to the two. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like, she, she uh, yeah, it was Meryl, quite confusing. Meryl played it well. It was a pretty awesome cast, man. Like that, ever like as also. Um, I forget Shaw's name, the actor's name, but he was pretty fucking good in that. Like, uh, especially... his name is Liv Schreiber, I think, or Schreiber. Yeah, something. Yeah, man, he he played it fucking well. Yeah, it was it was it was good. Like all the all the all yeah, it was a big cast for sure. Yeah, but um, yeah, like even um. What's Angelina Jolie's dad's name? John Voight. Uh, John Voight, yeah. Even he was he was good. I was trying to imagine, but, um, like, who is the person in, in the real world of this person? Like, Hillary is kind of like um, the mother a little bit. Not really, but she, I was just getting Hillary vibes from her because she's kind of like the, um, <laughs> you know, she can deliver this, like, insane speech when she needs to, mm. like, like um, mm. at the drop of a hat when she when they're not considering Raymond um, as a candidate and then she just, like, yeah. drops this like war rally speech mm-hmm. on them and they're just like okay well like let us let us uh, have a meeting and, and we'll get back to you and, and she's kind of just like yeah that was easy and it just reminds yeah, me it was very, of very like, hawkish it's like hillary's like semi-psychopathic nature how she just like switch on the kind of um yeah well i think i think speech that's mode. interesting that you say that because i think that hillary clinton is actually kind of like facile like her her um debates and her um talks and stuff were all kind of kind of boring. They never really hit whatever it was that she was trying to go for. Yeah, but maybe her speeches behind the scenes are yeah, more maybe, like... Yeah, maybe, yeah. Because, you know, she she doesn't mind a bit of bombing herself. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. She continues the American empire for sure. Um, she's very... Yeah, yeah but, she's, she strikes me as someone who's extremely patriotic. Yeah, well, that's another thing that I thought was interesting with Meryl Streep's character is, like, she was super war hawkish and she was very, like, neocon in the whole, like, great myth idea. Like, we need, Amer- like, for America to be seen as, like, the good country, we have to find, like, the evil country to, like, point out and be like, they're the bad ones. We fit- we get them. And, um, you know, we're good for that. It's like uh, Team America, right? Like, world <laughs> police or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And you, you can establish... Uh, your moral superiority, I guess, and your 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 global or uh, geopolitical position by like presenting a country as like bad, morally corrupt, um, ethically 
ruinous. Um, and in that way, you support America as this good, good thing, you know. Yeah, and that's sort of her character. Like she can sell it to people and be like, oh, "There's terrible people out there. There's terrorists out there, and all that sort of stuff." But like, there's terrorists in here as well. Like you, uh, you are you're brainwashing American soldiers to become, uh, you know, sleeper cell agents to kill other. Yeah. Yeah, just the otherization once again. Hey, it's like hmm. it's the yeah. other. But it's important also to recognize, like, the, uh, you know, America has been doing terrorism for ages. <laughs> but yep. it's only, like, it's only, like, once um, something goes into, like, globalization or, like, um, Americanization, I guess, or, like, something like the Twin Towers or something, that everything gets, like, shattered, you know? It's like a ultimate, yeah. it's, it's like what you were talking about before with like Skynet, like, you know, it, it, it covers the entire world, it covers like the sky, it covers the world, and like, it's the same with like something like global capital or something, it just covers everything, but once something intervenes in it, something breaks one of the chains, just fight, like COVID. Yeah, I was just uh, going to say that, it's like, well, like, COVID has been highly educational for a lot of people, it, not just in like learning about how to <laughs> spend more time with their family or like alone, like when they're like, oh, I don't have any fucking hobbies. It's like, we better sort that out. Like, so you like, like mm. I, I just, the people that are like, I'm so bored. It's like, there's something wrong there. Like, especially if you have yeah, the internet yeah. and books and your family, like, so you, so you need 40 hours of work a week. Otherwise you get bored. There's something yeah, well, wrong. it's indicative of like someone who's just totally gone along um, with the sort of idea that the more you work, the better person you are. Yes, that is. And a, then that like, is when a it turns off or goes away, yeah, it's, it's real, right? Like, because there's tons of people. Like, the, the thing is sold to you, right? Like, oh, you're a hard worker, you're a better person. Yeah. Yeah, and in this sense, you can say something like, "Oh, I did 80 hours last week, and that's fucked up. No one should be doing that." But like people will be like, damn, yeah, that's great. Like, you're you're so strong. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like you must be, you must be. They must love you there at the at the wherever you work. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was also going to say as well, like continuing to, you know, your point about kind of something happens that kind of brings these sorts of things forward in the you know public consciousness. So, COVID has been good for illuminating a lot of. Um, the financial system to like your average mm. Joe, like me, for example, who knew nothing about it. And then you just, it's like, you know, stimulus checks. It's like, okay, so I'm getting free money. Are we going to have to pay for that in tax later? It's like, no, they can just print it because they have a printer. Wait a minute. If they have a printer, can't I just have <laughs> some more printed more stimulus? It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. But it's like, yeah, and then that's also, called inflation. Yeah. And like, you know, populations of other countries who pay back debts to, the World mm. Bank in US dollars. It's yeah. like, what if America borrows money? Can't they just print that shit to pay it back? <laughs> in a way, they kind of yeah, can. Well, and then it's other, like, well, we're getting fucking ripped off here. Other countries like, own American's debts. So, like, China owns a lot of American debt, apparently. Mm. But also, uh, the thing is, like, it's like the financialization of money. Like, you know, once upon a time, you could say something like, this um, steel mill makes, you know, $300 million a year based on steel and like, ore and all this stuff that comes out of it. And now it's like, you know, uh, $300 million on top of these stocks and we get this money through like a future dividend that might not exist or it might and it's all speculation. Mm -hmm. and, and credit, credit and speculation really. 
So the money does seem like um, uh, effervescent or whatever, you know, like it does seem well, like it's yeah. like phantasmatic. And yeah, and like people learning about Bitcoin and they can't, like the first thought is like, what the fuck is the value in these, you know, numbers in the internet, you know, in the blockchain or whatever. But mm. then you say, well, what the fuck is the value in a piece of paper? It's just the agreed value. If I gave you a $10 note, you might be like, thanks, man. If I gave you $10 worth of Bitcoin, you might be like, well, what the fuck am I going to do with that? Because it's very hard for yeah. you to use it for any like actual physical thing, like a piece of food mm. or whatever. But mm. it just it just highlights that like the only thing that makes one, you know, valuable and the other not is that it's not universally agreed upon at this point in time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think that's true. I think um, because money sort of works in two ways. The thing is, like, money is like um, like the reification of um, a social process, right? So, like, you have social relations through changing of money, and you also have um, labor value, yeah, or exchange value within the um, within the money. So it makes some sense to you at least and you, you you know at this point in time at least that like through money whether it be um, digitized or material that like there's a social relation you see the person or you, you might not see the person but there's a transference and you, there's a material so Bitcoin becomes problematic because like it's sort of like not agreed upon and there's no particular um, authority figure that says yes or no that's not actually true that seems like there are lots of people who say this is a thing but um, I can see why people might be hesitant. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, and it's also just yeah. Well, it's not the it's not the currency of the power structure, so it is currently you know it's a gamble. Whereas normal fiat currency is the currency of the power structure. You know, so yeah. the well, it's legitimized, isn't it? Yeah. That yeah, that's what legitimizes it. Is that you know, large corporations and governments do business in some sort of fiat currency even if they're not ex yeah, physically exchanging that it's that's you know the, the numbers are represented by fiat currency not by bitcoin numbers yeah exactly and like um i guess even that is like cut off from any like relationship to gold or anything you know like money is just sort of free floating now whereas it used to be connected to the Bretton Woods system yeah but um <laughs> We've gone far away no, again. I, uh, how did we get here? Because it is relevant to. <laughs> Maybe it's not. Maybe uh, it's regardless, not. I think um, the other thing that I thought was interesting was um, the pure relationship is the thing that like gets um, uh, Prentice uh, Prentice Shaw hmm. gets him out of it. Like you know, he has. Um, the woman that he was going out with, that his mum stopped him going out with, yeah. and he has um, his sergeant, and those two people can kind of remind him of like what he was before. I thought that was interesting, right? Like this, uh, I don't know if this is like uh, this is what I sort of thought that it was saying that there was some form of relationship that can is sort of stronger than whatever your um, yeah it, yeah your it's mum tells you. It's like an archetypal thing, or it's like you have you have the um, the buried memory. To, to bring you back to um, proper consciousness and, and make it's like, oh, like, and you have some childhood flashback when it's like, oh, remember when <laughs> I had feelings? And that's, you know, they, they use that a lot in film, I guess, where it's like the, 
you know, the lover comes and breaks them out of the trance or like if, mm. if you're, you know, like a dog that is like really scared and aggressive, but then it sees its owner um, and then it's, you know, it's, it's all good after that. kind. It's mm. like that. Yeah, well, I guess it's also like, um, you know, I don't want to force the Oedipalization here, but like um, uh, his sergeant is sort of like his sort of symbolic father in that sense. He's like, no, you have to, here's the truth. You have to take the truth. And he's like, no, 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 I, I didn't, I know how it went down. You know how it went down. This is what my mom says. This is what I'm doing. And he's like, no, there's something bigger here. You have to understand like the symbolic references here. Yeah. You know, rather than his mum keeps him safe in this thing where he doesn't have to really make any choices. His mum makes the choices for him. Uh, and um, Marco? Yeah. Um, comes in and is like, no, like, you have to you have to realise that there's something larger going on here. You know, he attacks him. He tries to push him in certain directions. And, yeah, he, he eventually realises that he has to, you know, he has to kill his mum. Oh, well, that's, uh, I, yeah, I love that that story element. I don't know what the original kind of fairy tale story is of the, you know, like escaping the womb complex, but you see it in so many, like it's it, it, that's the whole plot line of Brain Dead, um, mm. and of, um, a largely Brazil as well, like escaping mm. the kind of the mother that wants to keep you in the womb throughout your life symbolically yeah, well, and, and make decisions yeah. and, and you because yeah and, and the mother wants to like the mother is too scared to let anything happen to their child and then the childhood the child's growth is massively stunted because they don't face the world and you know it's, it's like a whole jordan peterson talking point as well <laughs> well i guess um i don't know about all that but i guess it's also that like through um through her son she's able to achieve the political power that she wants you know, but she can only achieve the political power from her position of not being in, um, like, a public figure. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, you have to necessarily be behind the scenes yeah. to command the power that she has. I guess but she the, also needs another person the in the front. The puppet master she, she... always has the real power, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The ventriloquist. <laughs> it's, people, um, I don't know how much truth is in it, but people thought that about Steve Bannon when Trump first got in, before they had a breakup. Um, people used to think that Steve Bannon was like the the one actually in control. I don't know if it's a conspiracy because they were. Um, I think they were pretty close, and um, Bannon had some pretty extreme views. Yeah, he does. He's pretty wild, but uh, I think he's dropped off the radar a bit. But maybe that maybe that's an alarm signal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like uh, potentially, it's that he um, you know, he's probably doing better now with no one talking about him. Who knows? He's always looked very yeah. unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll live. He'll live longer than all of yeah. us. Don't you worry. It's just like Donald Trump. He will. He eats like uh, Philadelphia fishes every day and like Diet Coke, and he will live for to like five hundred. That's because they eat the uh, the baby liquid or whatever, isn't it, Jack? Oh, uh, the Adreno <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's why they live so long. <laughs> Musk is like a hundred years old. Did you know that? Yeah, I just think they're rich as fuck, so they probably got some good doctors out there. <laughs> yeah. Probably the more realistic explanation. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like they've probably just got really good health professionals mm. going on. I'm with it. Um, mm. I think uh, I think we might be reaching the end. What do you th did you have more to say? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I I'm I'm like you. I probably watched this film like a week or so ago. 
So I'm sort of struggling to pull anything more out of this, but um, I, I, I think we've covered like the most poignant scenes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like again, I got to say, sort of a bad film, but a good film. Yeah, kind like, of it, a. It's a, doing um, a lot. Soylent Green vibe, I guess, like the heavy-handed yeah. dystopian elements, but and kind of a like a storyline that runs around a bit. Yeah, like I would have appreciated sort of like an Oliver Stone treatment of this film. I think he could have done an interesting job with it, but this is sort of like a this seems like a Michael Bay film to me. <laughs> <laughs> like Michael Bay when he was younger making like the island and stuff, he, I'm sure he had no idea what he was making cuz I think he's just like <laughs> yeah, a bro that. that loves explosions. Yeah, but he does he he has some interesting stuff. <laughs> Any ties to Tenet for this film just because it was the week before? Like, like what, oh, what yeah. made you suggest this after Tenet? Is it just because it was, like, very American and kind of based on, like, military CIA sort of stuff? Well, I've always wanted to talk about this film. Every t- I've probably seen it, like, three or four times in my life. And every time I watch it, I'm just like, fuck, this is crazy. Like, all of these different... Like, this could be four different films. They probably would have made four better films if they just decided to t- pick one thing. I feel like De- run with it. Denzel always gets a bit shafted by the writing, like because he's such a good actor, <laughs> and it's just like, yes, I, yes, like I was true. reading some reviews of this. People were hating on this and like Assault on Precinct Thirteen, and um, mm. what's that? Oh, the time travel one that he's in, um, Inside Man. It's I think. Oh, Inside Man. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I, when I watched it, I thought it was good, but I was quite young. I don't know if that's actually a good film oh, or not. Some but, films can be bad, but have like. Um, good analytic significance. But what's his <laughs> what's his most critically acclaimed film? Is more the question. Oh, I have no idea. It wouldn't be like an action film, I reckon. It would be something where he's really been able to like flex his chops. Yeah, 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 fair. No, yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, I'm I'm all there for the action films though. I he, think he he was he awesome in this man. I mean, it wasn't really an action film, I guess, but like a little bit. There was some shooting and stuff. Um, but yeah, oh, I yeah. thought he played. Like I just forgot how good he is, man. Like he, he yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And I guess yeah. I mean, it's his son, Lieutenant. <laughs> Dent- oh, you, so t- you guess- told me that. <laughs> so maybe Are you that's sure? The that's no, crazy, think- man. Like, how I'm does pretty it- sure. Yeah. I guess it's just like the gene pool, just like feel ripped off. Like, I would argue you know, it's that like it's probably if you have a famous parent, your likelihood of being famous skyrockets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you just get raised in like the type of environment where you are um without too many flaws. So he already has mm-hmm. the good genes and like, you know, he just has the right like emotional balance. I I mean, this is really like uh, it's really harsh to say this about someone um, you know, it's like, oh, they haven't worked hard to achieve what they did, but if you have a good foundation, you know, it fucking goes a long way in your life to um achieving great like things like um I forget his name, the tenant actor, but um, da- is it David? John David Washington. You know, John David, I believe, like a pro football player, actor, and like semi stunt man, I guess, and just like, you know, buff, good looking dude. So it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, and all of that would have taken lots of work. And Denzel Washington is the same. You know, I think of Denzel when I think of Denzel Washington, I think of Samuel L. Jackson. I think those two you racist um, are both great actors. <laughs> And, like, they've both sort of come up in the same way. Like, they've done serious films, action films, funny films, serious films. You know, like, they kind of do what they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they yeah. like they have, like, an incredible acting skill that just lets them, 
you know, it lends them to being serious, but they can also take on something like, you know, Samuel Jackson as, like, Mace Windu or something. You know, I can't really think of other people who do that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to think of something critical to say about Samuel Jackson, but I can't really think Nothing of it. Nothing you just... can say, man. Samuel Jackson is no. a great guy. <laughs> no, I know. I love his acting. I just mean, like, I guess snakes on a plane <laughs> this is all I need to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that, I think that uh, proves my point more. I think that, like, um, what he does is he's just like, this might be fun for me to do. I'm going to do this. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> which is much better, I think, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I respect an actor who like, is just like, oh, this looked like fun for me. I wanted to do this. I think this was going to be funny. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. So, they can't uh, yeah, all be bangers. Also, no, they're never, nothing is, there's no way that anything is ever good. Like, no, I mean, you can't have like, yeah, your whole filmography. Or, um, Impossible, That's yeah. like, you know, five star. Well, you need a failure so that you can come back. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. So yeah, terrible film, great film. <laughs> Not uh, medium film. Yeah, medium film. Yeah. Medium rare. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot I could write on this, but like uh, watching it, it's a bit of a labor. Yeah, I it it kept me interested. I will, even though the plot was predictable and everything. Um, mm. I think the the um, Eugenia was it. I think that was a cool twist. How she. Like she was suspicious on the train, but I didn't. I didn't really predict that she was going to be an FBI agent yeah. and all of that until yeah. a bit later. And they were trying to take down this corporation. That was fascinating. Yeah. It paint yeah. paint the FBI as the good guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the intervener, like the mediator between the corrupt government and the corrupt corporations. The FBI will save <laughs> you from the from everyone. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, obviously not true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right, man. Well, um, good to what chat to you. What are we going to do next week? Mm, what did I say? Um, think about Jarhead, possibly Jarhead, but I don't know. Maybe we could okay. lay off the action for a bit. I mean, it's, it's not very action, but... And I have no, seen it anything, multiple times. It's very chill. I'm happy to do Jarhead. I think uh, a war film might be nice. All right. Well, I need to study up on 90s America as well anyway. Check. Go for it. <laughs> Good mean, luck. Not, not 90s America, but 90s American politics and imperialism. Mm. Yeah, I think they both got to go together. I think you might find the two. Yeah, but like, I'll uh, also, I, I want to, I think I'll, I'll try and play devil's advocate a little bit more in the way that like, because we can easily, like, it, it's just too cliche for us to just be like, yeah, America's shit, imperialist. Like, uh, you know, at least you can say that and I, I can try and, even though, you know, we share similar thoughts on on things like that. I think it would nah, help. No, fuck no, no balance. No, but it's it would help. It would help the discussion. Yeah, <laughs> but it would help the discussion if I play the um the bad guy a little bit and just be like, you know, offer some defenses for you to break down. You know what I mean? I've lost you. I've lost. You. Hey, 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 can you hear me now? Yep. Oh, Jay. Okay. But yeah, I was just saying, you know, that it could be fun. Um, huh? It could be fun to um, disagree a bit more. Okay. Yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> Don't take it personally. <laughs> All right. No, I just mean, obviously, right. it's it's the worst that, like, if, you know, whoever plays the right-wing guy, you know, it's like, you don't want... You don't want to meet some someone who's listened to it in the street and be like, "Oh, what do you believe all that shit?" And it's like, "Oh, I was just playing a role." Like, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, your whole analysis of American news has come full circle, and now you're going to do it. Now I'm going to do what? <laughs> I'm going to be a news reader. Now you're going to be. You're going to. You're going to play to it. You're going to play to a side. You know, you said it was very Hollywood. You said it was all like sort of fake. I'll be news. like, you know, the Simpsons episode where he's like, "You hate America." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Um, all right I need to make some dinner, but yes, I'm excited. So we're committing to Jarhead. And I'll yeah. be pro-imperialism. <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, peace uh, out, man. See you, man. <laughs>